Hey Bears fans, welcome to another episode of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two jamokes who prattle on about the Bears so you don't have to. Uh, Today is cool out scat. I mean, come on guys, Uh, you gotta give him a little bit of time. Ryan Poles is gonna do right by us. He's gotta reshape this giant ball of shit that he inherited, so... Give him a give him a couple minutes. Yeah, um, I think that we're seeing what a lot of us wanted to see from Ryan Poles, which is right out of the gate. He has started making some pretty significant moves when you consider trading Khalil Mack, cutting Eddie Goldman. So he's certainly taking charge of the roster. Obviously, the most significant trade being or move being the Mack trade. And I think that's where we're going to start today, because I think that this has been somewhat of a polarizing trade amongst Bears fans. But from where I'm sitting and leading into this podcast, I had kind of started to put together my plan to fix the Bears, which we're going to go through. But trading Khalil Mack was the first thing on the list. I mean, it's a no-brainer when you actually look at this roster. I mean, in my mind, and I tweeted this out as well, so... Stole some thunder a little bit, but in my mind, the Khalil Mack's value to the Bears in 2022 was basically zero. Right. I mean, he's 32 years old, I think. He's been injured for the last three years, and even going back to 2018, the last three years, his production has either been has been less than expected, or last year he was playing very well, but only played for half of the games, and... The Bears are just so bad that if you look at their roster right now, and we've gone through it, they've got six or seven guys that you can actually count on at the moment. Like, they're not going to be competing for a Super Bowl next year. So, Correct. Khalil Mack say that he comes back and he's at the peak of his power and he's getting a sack a game. Which which is is highly unlikely. A huge if, right? Even if he is playing at that level, it takes the Bears from a six-win team to an eight-win team. Maybe. So trading him was the obvious move, I think. And I I know that there's been some arguments that say he's too talented, you can't trade him for draft picks. And I understand that it sucks to trade a player that's that talented for picks. But when you just look at the situation that the Bears are in right now, there was no other move to make. Yeah, so... Um, First of all, I think you have to look at the root of the issue. Uh, When Pace decided to go get him, when when the noise came out of uh, Oakland that he was available because Gruden didn't want to give him the big fat money that he wanted and deserved, uh, you know, the, the thing was, is Pace felt like he had the freedom, at least the way I understand it, is Pace felt like he had that freedom because he already had his franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way you can make that kind of huge deal. Well, we know how that worked out. And so he bet wrong there. And then he also bet that he was paying for one of the top five players in the NFL. Because that's what they paid him as. They paid him as the number four overall player in the NFL. Now, uh, I've, I've said many times, and I'll always say it, when it comes to wasting McCaskey's money, I don't care. <laughs> but the, the, when it comes to 
the resources that are involved in in his case swapped first round picks gave up another an, 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 another first rounder um you know it, it's and the amount of money that went towards him that they kept pushing back through his career it becomes a huge investment as much as any quarterback in the NFL right and if uh if you look back the other guy that got that kind of money right then was Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald has shown year after year that he is arguably the best and the best defensive player in the NFL. Mac has not. No, Mac has not come anywhere close to that. No, I wouldn't say so. And he's still been pretty good. I think he's been very good. When you go back and look at his tenure with the Bears, I think most people will end up saying that the trade was a failure because even though Mac played well, the Bears won zero playoff games. And I, I put that more on the offense, right? So I, I think that if you were to go back in time, you would make that same trade again because, like you were saying, when Pace made that trade, the thought was that the Trubisky-Matt Nagy partnership would work and the Bears would have a, a strong offense. And right. trading for Khalil Mack was the all-in move, right? It was saying... Hey, we're going to take our franchise quarterback. We just hired this exciting new coach that's going to take our offense to the next level. Let's get the missing piece for our defense, and we're going to be competing for Super Bowls. Obviously, the evaluation of Trubisky and Nagy was a huge, a huge miscalculation on Ryan Pace's part because the offense huge. never worked. Even in 2018, even though the team was good, I think that if we had been paying closer attention at the time to what the offense was doing, we would have seen the red flags. I don't think people were really excited to talk about that because during 2018, it was the first time the Bears had been good for a while, and everybody was so excited with the state of the defense and the fact that the team looked like they could potentially compete for a Super Bowl. And obviously, that ended up fizzling out in the playoffs, and then um, we know what's happened ever since 2018. But I I think... And and just to stick in there, we got to also remember that in 2018... And you and I have talked about this. The ball bounced our way quite a few times. Yeah, for both turnovers and just injury luck. Like, the Bears had very few injuries that year for yes. most of the season. I think Good health. I think they had a couple towards the end. I think Eddie Jackson was the most notable. But And that was a huge, that was a huge loss. Exa- at the time, yeah, it was. And we don't need to relitigate that. We've done it before on this podcast. But I think it was the right move at the time to trade for Mac. And I think it's the right move now to move on. I mean, when you look at the Bears last year, they won six games, right? Yeah. But, I mean, you know, they're closer to a three-win team than they are a a ten-win team, I think. I mean, those six wins, I mean, one was against the Bengals before they had Burrow fully back and in his stride from his injury. I mean, And they almost came back and won that game. The Bears could have easily lost to the Lions both times. Yes. Uh, they beat the Raiders, who were in the midst of the John Gruden controversy. So, you know, you can if, and, and, but any win or loss, and they ended up winning six games. But my point being, they're a bad team, and if keeping Khalil Mack is only going to take you from a terrible team to a bad team, it's not worth it, and you have to move on from him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy they did. Yeah, and, you know, um, the thing is, Mac is uh, is a is a is a great player, and I'm sure most Bear fans are looking at him and saying, "Hey, good luck. 
on the on the rest of your on the rest of your career, I saw a lot of a lot of positive comments about, oh, you know, uh, you'll all be you'll always be a bear. We'll always remember you as a bear, and um, I, I think that's great. But just the amount of uh, anger that I saw online directed towards polls confused me because. This is the exact same thing that we went through with Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace, in two seasons, got rid of every single player of the regime before him, except for our favorite, Shariq McManus. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and he got rid of some of our all-time favorites. Matt Forte, Peanut Tillman, Robbie Gold. When, when the Robbie Gold uh, deal happened, I wrote a scathing post about that just because I couldn't believe how stupid that was. But that's what happens when a new regime comes in. Yeah. They clean out from the from the bottom to the top. Well, exactly. And typically the reason that there is a regime change is because the roster is bad and the team sucks. <laughs> and ours is bad. Yeah, and Khalil Mack was one of the biggest cap hits, if not the biggest. And I think that Ryan Poles is taking advantage of being the new general manager and having an opportunity to say, hey, I don't need to be burdened by the prior regime's poor contracts. I can get rid of them if it causes us to be a worse team this year, but it sets us up better in 2023 and onward. Then I have that autonomy to make moves like that because this is year one and anything bad that happens this year, I can blame on Ryan Pace, which is to an extent true. I think that people were unhappy that the Bears only got a second-round pick and a sixth-round pick for Mac, And I think people just need to understand, that's the market, obviously. The market told you what he was worth. Right. It's not like Ryan Poles called one team and accepted the first trade offer that was presented to him. I'm sure that he negotiated with the Chargers and with other teams that had an interest in acquiring Mac, And this was the best deal he could have gotten. And... I think Bears fans are a little bit predisposed to think that anytime they make a move or sign a free agent that it was the wrong pick or that the Bears got screwed over somehow. And that's well-earned because we've had to deal with Ryan Pace and Phil Emery and Jerry Angelo for the last 20 years. Exactly. But it's not fair to hold Ryan Poles to that standard or I guess to not give him the benefit of the doubt. He's He is having to deal with what he has been dealt. Yeah. And there is no way that he can change that other than by making uh, big moves or even small moves, um, just making change where he sees that it needs to be made. And when it boil, when you boil it down, max number next year was going to be insane. I think twenty three million, thirty million. Uh, so it, you know, regardless, a, a ridiculous amount of money, right? Yeah. A, a, a huge eat of resources that the Bears can't do. And so they were able to get some uh, some savings this year. They're able to get huge savings next year. And they were able to get a couple of draft picks. And one of them, especially considering we only had five picks before this, you know, it, that getting that second, uh, second round is huge for us. Absolutely. And to your point about the salary cap, The NFL salary cap is incredibly confusing. I don't want to break down all the details, but at the simplest level, when you trade or cut a player, any guaranteed money that is owed to that player for the rest of his contract 
gets counted against your salary cap in the year that you trade or release him, and that's what's referred to as a dead cap. You're right. So if the Bears had kept Mac, he would have been a $30 million cap hit this year, and I think probably a $30 million cap hit in 2023 as well. Yeah. By trading him, the cap hit in 2022 this upcoming year is still 24 million and that's that dead cap but then it's done right like it doesn't impact your salary cap in future years whereas if they had kept him and traded him or cut him after next year he he would have counted 24 million towards the 2023 cap so it's all about opening up flexibility and i'm going to go into some other moves that i would like to see the bears make as well but i just want to squeeze this in real quick mac signed a six-year deal for, with the Bears for $141 million, featuring $90 million guaranteed and becoming the highest paid defender in NFL history. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, uh, you know, Mac isn't going away sad. <laughs> no, <laughs> you he'll, know. he'll be just fine. And just one more point on the draft pick compensation, because I think people were of the opinion that the Bears should have gotten more. Like, first of all, there's probably only a couple of teams in the NFL that were even interested in acquiring Khalil Mack because he's not a player or that had the money. Exactly. He's not a player that you acquire unless you feel you're in a position to win a Super Bowl. So that eliminates a good percentage of the league. Mm-hmm. There's not that many teams that Including are in Including the Bears. Yep. There's not that many teams that are in position to win the Super Bowl and also can absorb a $30 million cap hit. So that eliminates even more. And then you add on the fact that you're not going to trade him in the division or potentially the conference. So there's not even that many teams that Poles was able to negotiate with. And I think that the compensation that they got for Mac is probably what the teams around the NFL felt that he was worth. So I don't think Ryan Poles got screwed by any means. I was actually surprised he was able to get a second round pick for him. And the thing is, is that um, what you already alluded to is he got rid of the money. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's a huge pothole that he was having, that he just filled in. And on that point, I don't necessarily think that he's trying to clear salary cap space for 2022. I I think that no matter what the Bears do in 2022, they're probably going to be about 500 or below, right? Like, there's just too much to do. They don't have enough draft picks. They don't have enough salary cap space. But getting some of these bad contracts off the books in 22 then allows them to have a ton of salary cap space in 2023 and a full collection of draft picks right so i think that they're trying to get flexibility in 2023 and onward and i know that's tough to get excited about now because it probably means that we're looking forward to the bears next year not being very good but no matter what they do, they're not going to be very good. Right. There, there's there's just too much to fill on this roster and not enough resources to do it. So I think it was a no-brainer move. I think that the compensation they got is reflective of what the league felt Khalil Mack is worth. And I don't know how much more there is to say. I can't really find anything to be mad about with this trade other than the fact that yeah, I'll acknowledge that it sucks as a fan, right? Yeah, like, and I, I, as I was saying, I I thought uh, the compensation was a little light uh, when I first read it, but then when I found out that they took the money with them, mm-hmm. uh, it, it completely changed my perspective on this because, like you said, there is only X amount of change that we're going to be able to do this year. It's just it was left 
too messed up. There's too many things that have to be fixed and addressed. But for next year, this is going to be a huge deal. Uh, I mean, he's already... Uh, I read somewhere that he, there was already $147 million in savings for next year, um, which is insane. But that's the thing is, is that he he's recognizing that he has to start anew. And you and I realize and get that there's only a few pieces right now. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, uh, what what... All the talk still needs to be about is number one. Yeah, exactly. And with Max specifically, right? Like, if you're, if he goes out next year and has 20 sacks with the Chargers, it doesn't mean that it was a bad move. The next time that I think you can reasonably expect the Bears to be competing for a Super Bowl is 2023. And that's if Justin Fields is awesome and if draft picks pan out. And, and that, so, so it's even a big if. So in order to get value out of Khalil Mack, if you're the Bears, you would have had to have him be himself in 2023, two years from now. So if it's already a big if, what he's going to give you next year, add another year onto that, right? So it it was obviously the right move. Well, and, uh, you know, we we were talking about this. Um, You know, we had a player last year in Robert Quinn who broke the Bears' all-time sack record and we were still lousy. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, you know, no one, I mean, can you imagine how much money you would have made uh, in Vegas if you would have gone in and bet 100 bucks that that uh, Robert Quinn was going to set the Bears' all-time sack record, yeah. that he was going to finish with 18 and a half sacks? I mean, holy smokes. But, uh, you know, he did it without Mac on the other side. And, you know, the team just has too much to do exactly um and i think that's a nice transition because i had mentioned i'd kind of put together my plan the plan to fix the bears right so i'm gonna do ryan pole's job for him and i'm a little annoyed because i had written this all out probably about a week ago and then over the last week he's done a lot of what i said he should do (laughs) so i guess that means that he's thinking a lot he's thinking similarly as i am receiving psychic communicate yeah exactly he since i told him to do it (laughs) anyway so um i I think there's still some more that can be done here and i I think maybe just to level set on where the bears currently sit from a salary cap perspective so as of this morning saturday including the bears releasing eddie goldman Tariq cohen and trading khalil mack right now they and danny trathan have they have they done that? I think I think that is official. Oh, okay, interesting. Okay, I did. I, I'm not positive on that. Well, so okay, so, but we know it's coming, whether it's official or not. Well, it's interesting with Trevathan. Well, I'll get to that later. Okay. So, so as of right now, the Bears have about 36 million of salary cap space. So that includes getting rid of Mac Cohen and uh, Goldman. The Bears saved money by getting rid of all three of those players. Yeah. So they're at about $36 million. You budget about $6 million to sign draft picks. So call it about $30 million that the Bears have to spend right now. And a dearth of players. <laughs> they can save money by getting rid of some other guys. So I think it's a no-brainer that you, you cut Nick Foles, right? That, yes. That'll save about $3 million against the cap. God, what an awful deal that was. Yep. I would... 
release Jeremiah Atachu. I don't even know who that is, but releasing him <laughs> saves them two and a half million dollars. So that's an additional two and a half million dollars in savings. Get rid of that guy. And then cut Angela Blacks into that saves you. Another, oh man, that saves you another two million. So then my biggest move is I would also look to trade Robert Quinn right now. Yes, that would save about. Five million bucks, actually. Seven. And his—I mean, you're not going to have his stock be higher than it is right now. Yeah, I think everything we just said about Khalil Mack applies to Robert Quinn as well. The Bears will probably get less for Quinn because he's, I think, a couple years older than Mack. But like you just said, you got to sell high on that because yeah. the chances of him repeating what he did last year are slim, just given his age. And like we just said, if you're looking at at least a one-year rebuild period, the chances of him being productive and 2023 are small in my mind. Yeah. So I would tra- trade him as well, see if you can get the draft pick, and then that saves you another $4.5 million. So if those moves are all made, then the Bears would have about $42 million to play around with in terms of the cap. And where I would like to see them invest that money is in wide receiver. And we went through the list of available wide receivers a couple weeks ago, and a lot of them are off the board, right? Devontae Adams is going back to Green Bay. Chris Godwin's going back to Tampa. Um, Michael Gallup, it sounds like, is going to stay in Dallas. Yep. Mike Williams is staying with the Chargers. Yep. So, of guys that I think you could potentially consider a number one, there's Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. who the Cowboys were planning to release, but now it sounds like they might trade him. And it's if the reporting is accurate, it sounds like they're looking for a third-round pick. I would either make that trade and trade a third-round pick for Amari Cooper, or I would try to re-sign Allen Robinson. I would do one of those two things because I think that you need wide receivers, right? And I understand why both of those moves don't sound great to Bears fans because I think Cooper's contract is a little higher than what he's probably worth right now, and you'd have to trade a draft pick. And I know Bears fans don't want to see the Bears give Allen Robinson a big contract, but... I think unless you sign one of those two guys, then your wide receivers are going to be Darnell Mooney, maybe a lower-level receiver that you sign, call it Marquez Valdez-Scantling or the guy from the Cardinals or DJ Shark or whatever, and yeah. then you're going to have rookies that Christian you draft. Kirk. Yeah, and, and then you're going to have rookies that you draft. And Kirk is, I, I was looking at Kirk yesterday, he's, he's, he's Mooney. Yeah, so <laughs> and, and so if you break camp with Mooney, with one of those guys, and then with rookies that you draft, that's a bottom five receiver group in the right. NFL, right? And you might as well go back to Mitch Trubisky's rookie year then, where you're trying to develop a quarterback and he's got nothing to throw to. And, and, and you know, Shark, he, he's, a, he's a total roll of the dice. Yeah, a lot of those guys are at, in the second or third tier. It's yeah. guys that have been productive but have never been number one guys or they've been hurt and they're going to get paid, but are you comfortable making them the number one receiver on your team? I think if you at least get Cooper or Robinson back, you pair them with Mooney and then you draft a receiver in the second round, I think that gets you at least to middle of the pack in terms of receiver. Yeah, that that could happen. Yeah, and I understand why you wouldn't want to overpay for Amari Cooper I understand why you wouldn't want to overpay for yeah, Allen Robinson. Cooper Cooper can't be at $20 million a year. I mean, that, that's just... that He's coming off the worst year of his career. But his worst year was still 900 yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah. So my point being here that... And he had, he, I think he had a 66% catch percentage, which is pretty good. Yeah, and so my point being here is you need to give Justin Fields every opportunity. 
And if that means overpaying for a receiver that's a true number one receiver, which I think both Cooper and Robinson can be, I think you have to make that move. Yeah. Like, I, I think that if you go into this season with terrible wide receivers and that, then that basically means that you've wasted the first two years of fields, right? Well, like, and, and Cooper, um, it, it, while in 2021 he had his uh, worst season, 2020 he had his best season, he was over, he was at, I think, about 71% catch percentage that year. More targets, a lot more targets too, a lot more receptions. Um, he, uh, to me, I, you know, I've talked to you a little bit about Cooper. I'm not like super hype on him, but as far as what is available, I think he's the best out there. I, I would take him over re-signing Robinson. Yeah, and with Cooper, I mean, I think he's he's been in the league seven years, and I think he's made the Pro Bowl six times. He's gone over a thousand yards in almost every year that he's been in the league. He is a true number one receiver. Now we can argue about whether or not he's worth the twenty million dollars, and Maybe he's not, but if you have cap space and your primary goal is developing a quarterback, I, I think that you have to be willing to overpay for a top-tier receiver. And in general, you and I were talking about this a little bit, if the Bears are going to sign a wide receiver, they're going to have to overpay for whoever it is, right? Because this is not an attractive free agent destination for wide receivers. You've got... Quarterback on quarterback uncertainty. You've got a defensive head coach. You've got a bad team. You've got a cold weather city. The Bears just in general don't have a great reputation for uh, having wide receivers come in here and do and well, be successful. Yeah, who was it that called the Bears the Muzin place where receivers Muhammad. go to die? Yeah, so it, it, it's going to be a situation where if you get who got paid a ridiculous amount of money to say that by the way well you have to with when when you're the bears right now it's like <laughs> if a guy has any other option he's probably going to choose the other team and unless the bears offer him significantly more money i do think um quickly i do think that fields though is an attraction um i do think that the majority out there is still looking at him as an exciting young candidate and a guy that uh, is on the cusp of being a breakthrough player. Um, now, you know, we've talked about the fact that we don't have a clear picture of what he really is because last year was such a disaster. But he did make some really brilliant moves. And I think that based on uh, his college play, uh, and what he did do, um, I think he's still an attraction. I, I hope so. I, I think that if he's not, then the Bears are in a lot of trouble. If <laughs> if he's bad, then you might as well not sign any receiver, and you might as well tank and try to draft another quarterback. But right. operating under the assumption that Fields is still going to be that franchise quarterback that the Bears drafted in the first round, you need to give him something of a number one wide receiver, right? And Absolutely. In order to do that, it might have to be a bad contract. But like I was saying, if the Bears have $40 million in cap room and $20 million of that goes to Amari Cooper this year, it might mean that you've got the worst defense in the league this year, right? But I think the Bears are going to be bad no matter what. And if they're going to be bad, I would prefer them to be bad with a good offense. Yes. Right? Like, 
bring in Amari Cooper, keep Darnell Mooney, draft two or three more wide receivers slash tight ends, and give Fields the skill position players that he needs to take that next step, right? And if that means that you can't invest hardly anything on your defense and you're going to give up 35 points a game, that's fine. But score 30 points a game. Right. Like, if you're going to be bad no matter what, give Justin Fields every chance to succeed. Because the worst scenario is wasting another year of him, right? And that's what they're going to do if they go into next year with no wide receivers again, is that even if Fields is bad again, we're going to be making the same exact excuses. We're going to say, well, it was a rebuilding year, and their line was a little better, but he had nobody to throw to, and so on and so forth. Like, put him on the spot and say, hey, you've got your guy in Mooney. We're going to spend a bunch of money on another receiver. We're going to draft a receiver in the second round. That's three guys. We're going to shore up the offensive line a little bit. Go out there and be a top 10 offense. And if, yeah. that, mean you're, if that means that the team sucks and you're giving up touchdowns on every single drive, that's you know not that's ideal. Okay. Right. But, but that's okay. Exactly. And then what you would do is in 2023 when the Bears have $100 million in salary cap, go out and spend that money on your defense. And if you have a good offense... This year, you then have an opportunity to rebuild your defense through the draft and through free agency. Plus, if you have that amount of cap space, the $20 million that's going to Cooper or whoever else isn't going to look so bad either. So, um, uh, just to be clear, I'm all in with this plan. Um, I, I completely agree with it. Uh, Poles has made very clear that he is all about making... Uh, giving uh, Fields all of the help that he can give him. Uh, He's made clear that he wants the offensive line to uh, be upgraded. Um, Obviously, the skill position of of wide receiver is one of the worst positions on the team. Uh, And uh, tight end, we we certainly need at least one more player there. Um, Hopefully, Komet can elevate his game but you got to have another player there to supplement that yeah and then they have a decent they have a couple of decent running backs so yeah get that built up as much as you possibly can um and then like you said play shootout games you know this is exactly what the packers did yeah uh, about 10 years ago um they you know they they realized okay we've got the offensive side but our defensive side is seriously lacking. I remember they had a draft where they had like 12 picks or 15 picks and almost the whole draft was nothing but defensive players, right? And that's what you got to see. That's what you got to have happen. This uh, piecemeal, okay, well, we'll fit a guy over in this spot and we'll fit a guy over in this spot. That's not going to work. We're past that. They are at the point where they have to do something, and let's focus all on one side. And that that side is the side that we have that piece of that very important and valuable resource on. Yeah, exactly. And just a more recent example than the Packers. I mean, it's what the Chiefs did too. Yeah, the Chiefs as well. I mean, the Chiefs. If you think back to Pat Mahomes' first year as the starting quarterback, their defense was terrible. It's one of the reasons why they lost in the AFC Championship to the Patriots. It's because they couldn't stop the Patriots at all. But they got to the AFC Championship, (laughs) right? And now, I'm not saying that Justin Fields is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Like, it would obviously be nice, but we haven't seen anything to suggest that. But 
they built up their offense. They invested heavily in wide receiver and in tight end with Kelsey. And then to ultimately turn them into a Super Bowl team, their defense still isn't great, but they went out and got Tyran Matthew. They went out and got Frank Clark. They've got Chris Jones. They've got some other pieces on that defense, and they're still not a great defense, but they can make some plays. They're not giving up 40 points a game. And I think that's the model that I'd like to see the Bears follow. And it's not all going to happen in one year. There's just too much to do. But if you have resources available, go out and overpay for that wide receiver because the alternative to not doing that is Darnell Mooney and Marquez Scantling and a second-round draft pick. That's just yeah. – that. that's, like I said before, that's a bottom-five receiving core unit in the NFL right now. Yeah, don't – don't eek by. Yeah. You know, we, we're tired of eking by. You know, it doesn't work. Um, and that's that's why I've uh, come around on Cooper is because uh, they're just, they're just it for, you know, number one, there's just not very much available. And, and number two, uh, we have a bad need. Uh, we have a huge hole there. And uh, now if we bring in Cooper... Then, like you said, we have a true one. Uh, it makes what we do with Mooney much more versatile. Yep. And then, yeah, we look for the draft to uh, bring in one or two guys out of the draft, right? Yeah. And suddenly, we're looking at something fresh. Exactly. It's not automatically going to be great, but it's fresh, and there is two proven players there. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cooper... I certainly don't look to him to fall off the earth, you know. Even if even if he you brought him in and he just repeated what he just did, he did have a pretty good year, even though it wasn't a great year. Yeah, and I mean, and I don't watch every Cowboys game. I don't know if he was unproductive. I mean, he was still productive. But I don't know if he had a down year by his standards last year because the Cowboys have a really good offense. They've got a ton of people to throw to. Like, Mike McCarthy's also their head coach, and he's an idiot. So, <laughs> I don't know if the reason that he had a down year last year was because of him, or because he was hurt, or because it was an offensive scheme thing. Well, like, I don't know. Also, they have CeeDee Lamb. Well, that was my next point, right? Yeah. Like, they've drafted a elite wide receiver who's on a rookie contract right now, and he's makes Amari Cooper expendable. Yeah, and, and I guess the word is really good about Gallup. They're... It's like you were saying, the way I understand it, the Cowboys aren't going to let him go. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And so, I mean, with Amari Cooper, I don't want to beat the dead horse here, but I, I've been... Go ahead and beat the dead horse. <laughs> I've been a big proponent of him, and I think the feedback I've gotten is, well, I don't want to pay him $20 million. I don't want to trade a draft pick for him. And it's just like, you've got to take a shot on something, right? Like, it's true. If, if you're not willing to overpay, then you're not going to get uh, proven... NFL productive wide receiver, right? Like what you're going to end up with is lower level free agent signings plus Darnell Mooney plus your draft picks. And that's not to say that you might not get a good receiving core built out by making those kinds of moves. But I think if you get Cooper in here, you have an established number one. And I think that is something that will be very beneficial to fields. development. Well, and it's possible that, um, you know, hindsight is 20, 20, but in retrospect, uh, if they would have paid the $18 million per year that Robinson wanted back when they were stuck firmly on sixteen, uh, you know, we wouldn't be in this position in the first place. No. Uh, we, you know, we'd already have two pieces in, in our receiver core. But instead, 
we had a disgruntled guy who got paid a fortune to really do nothing. Um, and I mean, uh, it, whether he's worth bringing him back or not, I don't know. Uh, I, I was I was pretty much against it, but you know, there's just not a lot available. And if they if they can't win out on Cooper, um, that's the next best thing. Yeah, exactly. And I also was originally not interested in bringing him back just because. It's a tough pill to swallow when you give a guy $18 million and it's just zero, right? Like, yeah, wow. Literally just dead on arrival, just zero production last year. But I think that when you go and evaluate what the potential reasons for that lack of production were, like, I think if Allen Robinson had been hurt last year, I think we would know because his agent is probably the most vocal agent in the sport. He's got a podcast he's constantly tweeting out you know things about his clients and taking shots at the bears and robinson's case and so i think that if he had been playing hurt we would know there was obviously some issue between robinson and naggy and that should be resolved now because naggy's gone yeah and then anything else that can be attributed to being disgruntled or lack of effort due to the contract I'm sure that played a part, but if you give him that contract, then that should also be resolved, right? And the other excuse that people throw around is he just wasn't on the same page with Fields. That, again, should be correctable, right? So if the issues that he faced last year are all correctable, then I think it's probably worth the investment if you miss out on Cooper, like you said. I mean, Cooper's better than Robinson, I would say, but... Robinson is still a legit number one when he's right, and so if you can get him right, even though I understand that it would suck to reward a guy with a new contract that gave you nothing last year for that amount of money, I think that it's better than the alternative that we've described, which is sticking with Mooney as your number one and taking some shots elsewhere. That's kind of where I'm at with this, because I think you need to build up the offense, and give Fields every opportunity to prove that he's the guy. Absolutely. If you bring in Robinson slash Cooper plus Mooney plus some other guys and Fields is terrible next year, then it's start, have, start then it's time to start having the discussion about whether or not he truly is the guy that you want to be building around, but at least then you would know. Like, and probably be in better position to deal with it mm-hmm. if he isn't. Exactly. Because... Yes, the team is not going to be good, so we'll probably have a higher draft pick. We'll actually have a draft pick. <laughs> well, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, I mean, if the Bears go out and win three games next year, it's probably because Fields is bad, and the quarterback draft next year has two prospects that are going to be taken number one and number two overall: the Alabama quarterback and uh, oh, right, and the Ohio State quarterback. I mean, unless those guys get hurt or fall off a cliff production-wise, they're going to be the first two picks in the draft. Yeah. So if the team sucks and you think that it's time to potentially move on from Fields, then you'll have options if you are that bad. And if Fields is bad, then you will be that bad. And, you know, looking at it from that perspective, you realize that Poles has to be thinking the same thing at some level, right? Because he's looking at it and saying... We don't know what we have with this kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no one in the in, that watches the NFL or is in the NFL that can say, "Oh, I know exactly what what, what Fields is all about." You just can't do it. 
The situation was terrible from every facet of it. And he he was put in about the worst position that you possibly can be. That is us beating a dead horse. But it needs to be said. Yeah. This way, Poles is like, I'm going to get the stuff for him. I'm, I'm going to get guys around him that can help him be su- su- successful. And he might not get all the guys that he needs, all the spots that he needs to fill, because there's quite a few of them, even on just one side of the ball. Yeah. But he will get a solid base, I believe, on that side of the ball for Fields to feel encouraged, to feel empowered, to go out there and be a leader, and to really be able to work with uh, a new offensive head and who is, I feel, a million times better about than Nagy uh, as far as uh, offensive output. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, I mean, there's really only two positions that it makes sense on this team to invest in right now. There's receiver, which we just talked about, slash tight end. I, I group those together. Skill position players. Right. Or offensive line. Catching ball guy. Yeah. Or offensive line, right? Because... The Bears are obviously going to have to invest there as well. Like I, I would be fine if the Bears go through this season or this off season and invest almost nothing in the defense. Mm-hmm. Like that means you're going to be a bad team. You're going to be bad anyway. But there is a path to building up that defense again, starting two years from now when you have draft picks and salary cap space. Like you, you have to go all in on the offense here and. Like I said, that'll allow Justin Fields to either prove to you that he is the guy or he's not. Like, the worst-case scenario is what the Bears did with Trubisky. Like, remember when Trubisky got to the end of his deal and they were kind of debating whether or not he was worth extending or picking up the 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 fifth-year option, yeah. Like, that's worst-case because, honestly, we still don't know if Mitch Trubisky can be an NFL quarterback. We know it wasn't going to work with Matt Nagy, which is why the Bears moved on. But yeah, because nobody worked with Matt Nagy. That's what proved to be true, but he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. So even the NFL doesn't know with certainty whether or not Mitch Trubisky can succeed as a starter. I tend to think you know he could probably be okay, but he's probably not going to be a top 10 quarterback, but we'll see. But you have to try to figure that out earlier because as it turned out the Bears wasted four years of Mitch Trubisky and never fully answered the question about whether or not he's actually capable of being a good quarterback like I said we knew it wasn't going to work with Nagy but in that alternate reality that sports fans like to live in so much if Trubisky had had a different coach here could he have been successful we don't know so right you, you can't have that happen again you have to give this kid a chance and then if he proves to be the guy, figure it out after that. Yeah. Because if he is that elite top 10 quarterback that you drafted, then you can figure the rest out. That's how you win in the NFL is by having one of those guys at quarterback. So give him a chance to show that he is that guy. That's kind of where Yeah, look at those it. guys in the green and gold in our own division. Yeah. You know, They have had the model for the last 25 years because – They've been able to have that model. We have not. And that's the thing is is that the, the Bears have never had that spot where going into the next season, they felt like, okay, this is the guy. We have the appropriate pieces around him. We think we have the right coach. We should see production. It, it happened a few times 
with Jay Cutler, uh, but I still think you can look back at some of Cutler's seasons and go, no, the offensive line was not... The offensive line wasn't very good the entire time he was with the team. Let's be honest. But this is an opportunity... Who cares what happened in the past? This is the opportunity to look at the future and say, we do have a focal point. Yeah, I agree. And I think when you start debating, just because if you do give out a big contract or absorb Amari Cooper's salary via trade, the Bears aren't going to have a ton of money left in the cap to invest in that offensive line. So, you know, that's obviously a, a concern because I think it's pretty well established that the Bears probably need to upgrade that line. But I think if I had to choose between the two, I would probably go skill position, honestly. And I would think that because of Justin Fields' skill set and his speed and his athleticism, maybe you don't need as strong of an offensive line as you otherwise would if you had a, a less mobile quarterback. Like The offensive line can't be terrible, and you can't be dropping him back seven steps when you've got Miles Garrett lined up over <laughs> Jason Peters. But I think this next coaching staff is going to be smart enough to realize that, and if you have a, a average to below average line, maybe you can mitigate some of that with just the talents that you have at the quarterback position. So all that's to say, right? Like when we talk about, do we need to give James Daniels $12 million? I think my answer to that would be no. No. Right. Um, Yeah. And I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, So yeah, this is where it would seem we would uh, skew a little bit um, because I have been talking about how excited I am about the offensive line, finally getting some resources to it. But um, it's at the same time, it's it's as you pointed out. We have to have some skill players for him to to start working on a chemistry with. He's got to have some guys to throw the ball to. And one thing that Cooper has demonstrated over his career is he's always had a catch percentage in the high sixties. I want that. I, I I want a guy that the quarterback has the confidence. To believe that the guy is going to get open and he's going to catch the ball if he gets it there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's something that they've had. I don't even know when the last time was. Maybe Brandon Marshall. Yeah, Marshall you know? and Jeffrey. I mean, that's the thing is is that you you got to have that guy. you got to have that safety valve for the quarterback because that way... He knows, okay, I've got my guy, I've got my guy. But you know what? This time on this play, I'm not going to go to my guy. But he's there. I know he's there if I need him. Absolutely. And that brings another level of confidence. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and just think about what we've seen in the NFL recently. How many quarterbacks have developed with terrible skill position (laughs) None! I can't think of one, right? I mean, Justin Herbert's been awesome, but... The Chargers have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. I mean, that's three very, very good skill position players. Like Pat Mahomes, we know the weapons that he has. Dak Prescott, look at the receivers that the Cowboys bring in year after year after year. The list goes on. I mean, Russ Wilson, I mean, some of those receivers that he had on Seattle weren't 
trying to actually remember who who was his go-to guy. Uh, Golden Tate was for a while, yeah, and uh, Baldwin was for a while. Yeah, so I mean, Tate wasn't great, but he was pretty high in catch percentage. I mean, he was pretty good about catching the ball if you if you got the ball in his general vicinity. Absolutely. So you know, any so you, you need to make that investment somehow, some way, and with Cooper, right? I mean, if all it takes is a third round pick. Trade the third round pick. I mean, you're not going to get a player in the third round this year that's going to come in and make as big of an impact day one as Amari Cooper would. Well, and and I, I do want to plug in there, you know, um, this particular combine, they talked how much about uh, the, the word was speed throughout the whole combine, about how fast everybody was. I, go ahead and be the fastest guy. I don't care. I want a guy who catches everything that is in his general vicinity, just like um, Cooper Cup did last year. Cooper Cup caught 140 balls last year. That is insane. I mean, he, he his catch percentage was, well, I think it was around 75, um, it, which is crazy good. I mean, that's uh, that's like a running back. Uh, you know, a good uh, pass-catching running back catches. But Cup's numbers were, you know, he was still averaging like 14 yards a catch, not six yep. or eight, you know. So uh, get him a guy that he has confidence that he'll be open, he'll be able to catch the ball if if Fields gets it there. Not Not just for Fields, but for us as fans too. Because, yeah, I mean, it's it's super hard to look at his his year last year by any stretch and go oh he had the he had the tools there he just didn't make use of them I, I mean the toolbox was empty yeah the toolbox is empty and the coaching was terrible everything was working against Justin Fields if he had been good last year I would be saying that wow this kid could really 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 be one of those truly elite quarterbacks right yeah but obviously he wasn't very successful, you know, other than the flashes that we've talked about at length. And I don't know that any quarterback really would have been successful under those circumstances. But And actually, the flashes that he had were almost all generated by him. <laughs> a lot of them. So that's where I would go with this in terms of putting together a plan for 2022. And if the Bears do what I just said, then, yeah, they're probably not going to be very good. They're probably not going to make the playoffs, but... If you can get a top 15, top 12 offense next year, even if you only win eight games, I think you'll be in a position to really hit the ground running starting in 2023 when you have all that salary cap space. So that's the direction I would go. I know that a lot of people have a hard time stomaching the idea of overpaying for a player, whether that be in what you give up in a trade or just by the contract that you give him, but the Bears, in my mind, don't have a choice. They they have to do that, even if it means paying a guy two or three, four, five million dollars more per year for the next couple years. I think that is something that you just have to swallow hard and be okay with, because otherwise we're going to be looking at a repeat of exactly what happened with Trubisky and. I don't have an appetite for that. <laughs> like I don't have I, I don't I don't have an appetite for watching Justin Fields throwing to Darnell Mooney and a couple of second round picks and then a free agent wide receiver that 
you know, you give eight million dollars to, and you yeah, they they've got to have a veteran. Yeah, they have to bring in a veteran. I don't think anybody would argue that whether you want Cooper or whether you want Robinson, you got to have a veteran come in. Uh, Mooney can't do it all on his own. He, I I like Mooney a lot. Mooney has uh, raised his stock tenfold since he's been in the NFL, uh, and I and I think he actually might have a whole nother level too. But um, you got to have a veteran come in and help him out, take relieve some of that pressure off of him, relieve some of that pressure off the offensive line, relieve some of the pressure off of our quarterback, and then yeah, you got to also roll the dice on uh, somebody out of the draft. There is a really great crop of receivers that are coming out. There's no super top guys, uh, you know, no Jerry Judys or. Uh, um, you know what? You know one of those top, you know, CD Lambs or Justin Jeffersons at at the top. But there is a really good crop, uh, and it'll be nice to see what kind of evaluation we get out of our new GM. You know, when he goes and makes his picks, uh, I'm certainly excited to see that. Uh, just a couple of things: uh, Danny Trevathan was released. Uh, Polls actually <laughs> even thanked him on Twitter. That's that's uh, interesting because actually it costs them more to cut him this year than it would have th- to keep him. But whatever. I mean, he was broken down yeah, last year. Yeah, he was he was done. He's um, done. But uh, they uh, there was a, there's a post on here about uh, the picks. Uh, Denver uh, got uh, pick number sixty four and pick number ninety six. Which is three hundred and eighty six points for this is for Miller, yeah, for von Miller, and the Bears got pick number forty eight, which is four hundred and twenty points by itself, and then the future sixth, so really the, it was like you were alluding to uh the the pick that they got overall it was worth more in draft points than both of their picks combined well, and the key difference is that Denver retained Miller's salary. Yeah. So in the Mac trade, all of Khalil Mack's money and salary cap hit go just the, went with him. Go to the Chargers, right? Yeah. The the Broncos, like the Rams, when they traded for Von Miller, didn't have salary cap flexibility. So the deal they cut is that the Broncos kept his salary, paid Von Miller, and I think ten million dollars, and in exchange for that, the Rams got a better draft pick, right? So yeah, like it it's. Or sorry, the Bronco, the, the Rams traded a better draft pick. So you can quibble over whether or not the Bears got enough with Mac, but it's all about what you do with the picks. I mean, uh, and you know like, what? I, I, just real quick, I want to re, I want to rewind because this just suddenly occurred to me when you started talking about the Rams. Is one of the things that the Rams had the number one receiver in the NFL, point blank. There's no argument, right? But they still said, you know what? We can still improve ourselves and went and got OBJ. Yeah, with Matt Stafford, who is a really, really good quarterback. Yeah. Like, that is how you win in the NFL now, is you have to have multiple guys in your skill position groups that can go out and make plays. OBJ was the winner of the first half of the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no question there. He was the, you know, he was the one that made all the plays. He's the one that gave them the uh, the lean uh, the the lean into the second half of the game, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that to to not to not address that is certainly something that would be 
uh, a critical mistake. Yeah, exactly. And it's exactly what Ryan Pace did, too, if you remember, when he got rid of uh, Alshon Jeffrey and then just didn't sign any receivers. Yeah. Right? Like, so if you're getting rid of Allen Robinson, even though he wasn't productive last year, you need to replace him. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in that same quicksand that the Bears were stuck in for the first four years of Ryan Pace before they got Allen Robinson. Like, and even if, to be clear, the Bears do get Cooper or they re-sign Robinson, like, they're still not a great wide receiving group. No. Like, but they're middle of the pack, right? right. Like, and they've at least got a guy that you feel pretty good about, and you've also got Darnell Mooney, who you also feel pretty good about. Otherwise, right? otherwise, what you're looking at is going down to that next level, which is, you know, your DJ Shark, um, uh, your Christian Kirk, your Marquez Valdez, Scantling, um, and I I am not real excited about any of those guys. No, I mean, some of those guys could very well be good, but it's a it's a bigger gamble. Like with Cooper, you you know what you're going to get, I think. And unless there's something that I'm not aware of when he was in Dallas last year that he's just not the same player, but I don't think that's the case. Otherwise, I mean, teams wouldn't be trying to trade for him and if you believe the reporting, there's a number of teams that are interested in trading for him. So, I I think that in the Bears situation, go out and overpay for one of those guys. Like, don't sell the farm. Like, don't give Amari Cooper $30 million. But give him the 20 that he's making right now, plus a couple if that's what it takes. But just do what it takes to get a guy in here that will at least elevate your wide receiver core to respectable. Because yeah. right now, right now, as things currently stand, it is the worst in the NFL. Yeah. With Mooney plus nobody else. Yeah, so, I don't I don't think that's even an argument. No, it's like the only one you could argue is maybe like the Jets. <laughs> right? So it's uh bad it, it, it's a bad group right now. There's a ton of work to be done, but I think you could very easily get to at least respectable by making one of the two moves that I proposed earlier. Yeah, and you know, um, I mean, how as a Bears fan can you not be excited about seeing a receiver, uh, a receiving core that actually seems like a receiving core? Um, you know, seeing an offense work more like a whole unit. Um, you know, those are the things that we were promised for the last four years, right? We were supposed to see that. But instead, what we got was, you know, bottom of the barrel every single year, mm-hmm. you know? And so any improvement this year is an improvement um, because uh, that's what we've, that's what they've gone. And uh, if, uh, if Fields works out, that will be the one thing that Pace actually got right. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) There's really not much other than that. And uh, I still think that that guy, I I think that Fields can be that guy. I think so too. It's just you need to put things around him. And a quarterback's rookie deal lasts four years. So if you go into next year and basically punt on the offense again, then you're already through half of that deal and you'd still probably not feel fully confident one way or the other whether or not he is going to be the franchise quarterback. So give him the options. The team might be bad. Like, have the worst defense in the NFL. Like, it doesn't matter. And you know what else, too, by the way? I bet even if the Bears go into the season with the worst defense in the league on paper, I I bet they still end up, you know, 
high 20s just because of the defensive staff that they've brought in. Like, we, we brought in a pretty ferocious staff, actually. Like, if you get a bunch of young guys in here that aren't super talented, but are at least out there busting their ass and trying We're to, talking about a defensive staff that got a great year out of Xavier Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> and you still do have a couple of pieces. Like, they're not going to trade Roquan Smith. They're not going to trade Jalen Johnson. I don't think they're going to trade Eddie Jackson. So Darius Leonard was the was rookie of the year. Nobody saw that coming. No. And, I mean, a lot of people think Roquan Smith is better. So, even if the defense looks horrible on paper, I bet it'll still be average to below average. And if you have a really, you know, a really strong, fast, exciting offense with a bad defense, you know, maybe next year won't be as terrible as it could otherwise be. But try to build up that offense. Like, that's that's what I want to see. And then if after next year you feel that you've answered the question and Justin Fields is that franchise quarterback, you're going to be in a perfect position then because you're going to have over $100 million in cap space. Well, the when you boil it down, they have to make it work with the offense. Yeah. We as fans, uh, we can't watch this product anymore. They have to improve the offense if they want to win. That's just the way the, the NFL is now. Um, you, you've got to have a strong offense, and then you've got to have a capable defense. Well, we can't do both right now, so let's work on the strong offense part. And I think we, I think we got the guy in the GM spot to do it because the offense he just left is pretty damn good. Yeah, I think if you can gather anything from what Ryan Poles did this past week, it's that I, I think he's seeing the same roster that all the fans see, right? Like. I think that he came in and realized that this roster's terrible, and he's not going to limit himself by having to try to, you know, work with Ryan Pace's mistakes. He's going to clean house, and he's going to get rid of the guys that he doesn't want, and he's going to build the team according to his vision. And I think that's really what we wanted all along, right? Is we wanted a guy to come in here, take charge, and say, "This is my show. I'm the." top football executive in the business. This is what I want to do and then go do it. So, so far, seems like that's what's what's happening. I'm sure we're going to have a ton of news over the next week because the NFL league year starts I think Monday, maybe Tuesday, but that's when teams can start signing free agents and you know, I think we're going to know pretty I think, quick. I think it's Monday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. it might be. I, th- I, I think Okay, we're gonna know fans. That's uh that's our time for this week uh and uh make sure to uh uh, leave your comments. Uh, give them the stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you want to interact with the show, follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. Leave some comments. Leave some questions. We'll address them on the podcast. And here's hoping for some exciting activity over the next you know few weeks leading up to the draft. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.